can nap your way to being a great Kevin and Alex, let's go bounce, all right? Flash, red ash, red ash, red ash, red ash. I'll get a chance to go on the ice and uh, rub elbows. There's a hundred manuals on how to get into the profession. I haven't seen any books yet on how to get out. You know, I'm just a big, fat, hairy, American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. Welcome to the Cardinal Zone Podcast. I'm Zach Rastel, and alongside with me today are Jake Powers and Tommy Velton Irwin to talk some Wisconsin men's basketball. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Great to be here. So I guess the most obvious place to start is uh, with last night's win over Iowa. Uh, Tommy, what do you think? What did they do so well that helped them kind of counteract this, especially the uh, discrepancy in offensive rebounds and free throws that allowed them to still win? What stuck out to me is something that they've been doing really well over the past month plus during this, uh, it's not a streak anymore, but this winning, the winning ways they've been having the past, you know, 10 games, I think they won 9 yeah, out of 10, 10, is the fact that they're shooting the ball from three, both really well and really often. Um, obviously, threes are worth more than two-pointers, so every time you can get an open look, that's going to be something that gives you a big advantage, especially when you're not grabbing those offensive rebounds that a team like Iowa was. They've been Wisconsin's been kind of below average on the defensive rebounding end of the end of the floor, and so you have to make up for that by scoring points in bunches, and the way to do that is big threes. And so obviously Vito Brown's been a big part of that, but Bronson Koenig's also come alive recently after kind of a slow start to the to the conference season. Yeah, I'm no, sorry, his. Uh... He had all, all four of his field goals last night were all threes. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think has been different for Bronson? It seems like, especially over the past three games, he just looks different. He's not checking up those shots earlier in the shot clock and, and just looks more patient within the office. What, what have you sort of seen? Yeah, that's exactly him? it. He's not taking those you know six dribble pull-up threes or pull-up foot-on-the-line twos that he was at the beginning of the year. And a big part of that has been you know, the, the development of Ethan Happ. So now that he's commanding these double teams on the inside, along with Vito starting to play out a little bit, um, people are bringing help on, on post players, which is leaving shooters open. And we know this team can shoot the ball well, especially Bronson. So, you know, Ethan and Vito and Nigel, they're all finding the open man. And Bronson's been the open man, and we know he can shoot. Just looking at some of the stats right now, like, because you mentioned three-point shooting, they uh, made 43% of their threes last night, which... There was that stretch against Michigan State. I mean, they shot terribly from everywhere. First half, Illinois wasn't good. But, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, over this winning streak, they've been shooting real well from three. And then, like, Iowa shot only 28% from three. And then one thing that sticks out about the offensive rebounds is Iowa had a 20-day edge in offensive rebounds, but second-chance points, they only had a 14-10 edge. So I guess, you know, they had a lot of offensive rebounds, but they maybe didn't do the best job of converting them into points. So for this Sunday's game against Michigan, uh, I mean, obviously right now, with that win, you think Wisconsin's ch- chances of making the NCAA tournament are looking really, really good and like pretty close to locked territory. Yeah, you never really want to say lock with a team that's been so up and down like the these Badgers have, especially with games coming up like Michigan at home and then Minnesota on the road where, you know, they're probably going to be in the tournament, no problem. But if they drop one or both of those games, mm-hmm. it's a whole new ball game. I mean, if they lose to Minnesota, yeah, what's going to happen? That's a very bad loss. You've got four or even five terrible, terrible losses. So, and it's, it's not only that, but you also have to take into account what the Big Ten tournament will do for them. Um, you would think they have to win at least a game, I would think. If they, if they drop one of these next few games, I think they would have to win one game in the tournament, just to be sure. 
I think they could probably get away with without taking one in the tournament, but yeah, here's it's hard to say at this point. My scenario that I would expect where they'd be fine is if they beat Michigan, beat Minnesota, they're fine. I mean, the Purdue game definitely, that's not a must win in any way. And they probably could lose for a team in the Big Ten tournament and be fine. It's If they lose to Michigan and Purdue and only beat Minnesota, then they might need to win the Big Ten tournament. They'd probably be okay, but if they just they lose all three regular season games and they need to do something in the Big yeah, Ten tournament. They'd have, to, they'd have to show up and they'd have to beat somebody that they're not supposed to. But, I, you know, the way they're playing, I wouldn't expect that to be a problem. I mean, the Going to Purdue will be tough. Obviously, it's ranked team on the road. But against Michigan, it's a fellow bubble team. And they'll get a... I mean, Michigan, right now, they need every win they can get. And they just got a big one against Northwestern, which was pretty critical for their, their yeah. tournament chances. Yeah, so, I mean, they're going to be playing with... Obviously, they have a lot to play for. So they'll get their best shot, for sure. I mean, Minnesota, who has... I mean, they have... They beat... Uh, was Maryland. It was Maryland. Mm-hmm. And they've come close. I mean, they're obviously they're not a good basketball team, but they're not. It's not as easy of a game as you might think. Looking at their record, and you know, it's with rivalry games. It's those are never easy either. So you know, it's uh, the Badgers are in great shape. There's no doubt about that. But you know, it's it's not the easiest three game stretch as it may look like on the surface. Right. And. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the job Greg Gard has done, how you feel that, uh, Tommy, how you think he's done so far. I mean, it's hard to be disappointed. Yeah, I think he should be the Big Ten Coach of the Year, at least at this point in the season. What he has done has been unbelievable. Tom Crean deserves a lot of credit for mm-hmm. how much he's done for that program. And, you know, he's he's been in Indiana for a while, and I think this is probably the most impressive season he's had from a coaching standpoint. But it's hard to discredit where this team was, where this Wisconsin team was when Greg Gard took over. They were really struggling. They had some bad home losses, which never happens to Wisconsin. And he was sort of thrown right into the Big Ten season. I think he had three, maybe four warm-up games Mm -hmm. uh, out of conference. And then he was right in the thick of what is one of the best conferences in the country. The non-conference, he had one game. Just one game. Green Bay was it. There you go. They won that, but they almost blew a 30-point lead. Exactly. And so to, to come out and... He's just, with this win over over Iowa, they've guaranteed themselves a winning record in the Big Ten for the 16th, 16th straight, straight year. Mm-hmm. Tied for the longest streak in Big Ten history. Yeah, and that's unbelievable. With the amount of turnover they've had, the players that they lost last year, and the they've had a really difficult schedule with how good the Big Ten is this year. I think he's really been incredible. I think he's earned himself a standing job. And something interesting that I've noticed um, in reading pieces in the last few weeks is that people seem to think that guard is sort of coaching for his job at this point but I mean that's really he's kind of been in this situation throughout his entire career he's mentioned that he's never really been in a place where he's guaranteed to be there beyond the year he's not the sort of guy based on you know hearing him speak he doesn't seem like the type of guy who'd be motivated by that either it's sort of um you know, regardless of what the circumstances are swirling around him, especially, you know, that's the case this year, regardless of what's going on outside of the program, he's just focused in and, and honed in, and he really does seem to get the best out of his players. And I know for a lot of fans, it might kind of seem like, you know, oh, he's just saying that, you know, that when they hear coaches say that, well, I'm not worried about the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure, you know, he thinks about it, but for a, someone to succeed like he has and for most coaches to succeed, they really can't. It feels so much yeah. they, they have to yeah. be locked in, focused yeah. on the next game. And, I mean, for the players, I think that's definitely some whether they admit it or not, is something that's probably weighing on their mind a bit because they all love him. 
as a coach and they want to see him here for the long term. So that certainly, I think, you know, helps motivate them some. And also to get back to Tom Green for a minute, just because I have some opinions on him. And what I, I like what you said about him doing a great job this year because, I mean, you know, it's Tom Green. He gets made fun of a lot. He is a quirky dude, and he is, has had his shortcomings as a coach to a certain extent, but I don't think he's gotten enough credit this year for the job he's done. People kind of have this preconceived idea of, you know, what he is. They don't want to give him credit. They just want him to be the butt of their jokes, pretty much. But if you think, like, if it was, this was Brad Stevens, say, for instance, that's, you know, the coach every Indiana fan wishes they could get. And if he had this kind of year where they, you know, a slow start, they lose their one of their, probably their best player on offense, or at least one of them, and then to come back and probably win a Big Ten title, you know, that he'd be being heaped with praise. Yeah. And for one of the big, uh, you know, critiques of Crean during his time in Indiana is that their team doesn't play that great a defense. So, you know, the offense is usually good and the defense is bad. And when uh, Justin Blackman Jr. went down early in the year, that was not his, one of his strong suits. Was he was very bad on defense. So Crean took that opportunity to kind of redefine his team, and they've you know they've had shaky games on defense, but generally speaking, they've been a more balanced team. And I mean that's the loss of Blackman is really tough on them. And I mean you know that's he's one of the best offensive weapons in the Big Ten. So I, you know that's what they've done so far is really incredible. I think. Absolutely. That might be the kindest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> this is quite a moment. <laughs> Especially for about Tom Green. People, <laughs> yeah, right. people don't say kind yeah. things about Tom Green. Do you have similar opinions about Brett Bielma? Oh, I love Brett Bielma. Who couldn't? I actually know Bielma. I felt that people were crapping on him a bit too much. I mean, he's not the most pleasant personality, but he seems like a decent enough coach. I mean, he took over a program that was complete crap and turned him into something anyway. They're pretty good by the end of the year. Yeah. Anyway, away, Bert. But let's uh basketball. Narrow heart focus back to Wisconsin basketball. To get back to Greg Garden for a minute. So uh you think he should get the job at the end of the year? Yeah, no question. Yeah. I mean at this point it's hard to imagine him not getting it. Save Tony Bennett coming to Wisconsin, which he has no reason to leave. And it's I, a big buyout. Yeah, and I still think Tony Bennett is a better coach and probably would be the better fit for the program. But at this point, even if he were willing to come to Wisconsin you can't take away what Greg Gard has done this yeah. season. I mean, I think he, I think Barry Alvarez pretty much owes him the job at this point. And I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that Gard doesn't have that sort of outward recognizability on a national scale, but he's been very involved with the Badgers recruiting for years. I mean, he's been with Ryan the entire time. He knows the state, and kids know him. I mean, programs know him. He's, he's the one who recruiting runs through. I mean, that's so sort of that, that notability, I think, that sort of where... You know, people kind of run into a snag with trusting guard and thinking he should be there. I don't think that's an issue. I think I think he should be there next year. And the other thing I think that maybe should come into play a little bit is that this is a very young team that obviously is completely bought into what guard's selling them. And you might kind of upset things a little bit if you bring in somebody from the outside, even if it is Tony Bennett. You know, that's who who knows about like the future of Nigel Hayes, whether or not he leaves for the NBA. I mean, if they don't hire a guard long term, maybe that's more convincing to him to leave. Right. And whatnot. It's you know, that's you always run that risk too. Yeah. You think of the guys like Khalil Iverson or Charlie Thomas, um, who, you know, didn't play much while Bo Ryan was here and then Guard mm-hmm. is able to dip into yeah. his bench and use these guys and then, you know, to see Guard not get the job at the end. That was a good point, Zach. I yeah, like it that. Is, to see him it, go away, that that just wouldn't feel right. It is a good point, especially after all the growing pains that these young players went through earlier in the season. 
struggling so much. And now, right now, it seems like it's all starting to come together. And it seems like that would really just throw things all out of whack and make the team go through those growing pains all over again if they just switch to a new coach again for the beginning of next year. That's a good point. And that's certainly, you know, a case where it was obviously a power move by Bo Ryan to step down when he did to try to force, you know, I mean, there's nothing Barry could do about it. And Barry Alvarez, you know, not the type of guy that would just automatically say, all right, if Bo Ryan wants this, I'm going to go with it. And I don't think he should necessarily especially considering that guard at the time was real, he had no coaching experience. So it made perfect sense to at least want to ask Tony Bennett, and I could even see him still wanting to know, but if Tony Bennett says no, and I presume that he would say no, there's no reason not to hire a great guard, I would think. But we'll see. I mean, there's, I think even the fans at this point have all pretty much bought in, whereas we're at the start there's probably a lot more hesitancy from fans to accept a guard. I mean, there were some that probably supported him. But then, now at this point, it's almost unanimous. Everyone's asking him to pull off the interim tag, which he by law can't right now. It won't now. happen. Yeah, it can't. Yeah. And even if he could, I don't know if he necessarily should. Just Seems like there's no point. There's really. no point. It's, if that's lighting a fire under the players, let him keep going with that. And also, another thing with uh, if you don't hire a guard as a permanent successor, you risk having guys like Kobe King, who's a four-star recruit, who's committed and who has already said that if guards here permanently he'll stay you know who knows if they bring someone else if he'll stay so it's you know an interesting situation anyway we can shift our focus now over to the NCAA tournament and not just I mean it's looking like right now that they're gonna get into the tournament what do you think they can do once they're there let's see they're I think Joe Lenardi has them at a seven seed seven right is, now. Really? So seven. yeah, so they'll probably either have they're going to be favored in the first round almost yeah. certainly. They'll be even if they're an seven, eight or better seed. It's you would think at this point that that's they'd fall somewhere depending on how the season goes. They'd fall between somewhere between like a six and a ten or something. Yeah. Ten absolute worst case, six probably best case. Yeah. So I think it's it's safe to say they'll have a, a fair shot at winning a game. And we've seen what this team can do against the best team in the country. And as a 7-10 seed, I think you play the two, one seed. You play the two, two seed. Okay, yeah. so they're going to get a tough matchup should they beat whoever they play in the first round. But we've seen what this team can do against the top teams in the country. They've got several, road win, or several wins against top teams, and they've got two top 10 wins on the road this year, which is unprecedented at Wisconsin. Um, and... This season is so weird at the top that really anybody is beatable. So it's not just that Wisconsin can play with those good teams. It's that those good teams can play down to a team like Wisconsin. So it depends who they draw, but I think they they should have you know a good opportunity to win a couple games here. Especially in the last couple of weeks, it seems like they've this new group has been able to do what last year's group did and that they're slowing down the other teams, especially against Maryland comes to mind. I mean, they, Maryland scored, what, like 21 points in the first half or something when they were out at College yeah, Park? It was, it was something obscene like that. They're starting to get into that, what that sort of defined, you know, last year and the season before, where if they're playing a team that maybe has an edge on them skill-wise or athletic-wise, they're able to slow them down now, reduce the possessions, and sort of get them into that cyclical thing where, you know, Wisconsin scoring you know, consistently on, on every possession, and then they're just slowing it down, and, and by that way they're just able to run 
run it out on teams. Yeah, and when you look at a guy last night who came in, obviously with the intent in mind to speed things up, and I mean, they did to a certain extent, but at the end of the game, it looked like it may have backfired them a bit because Adam Woodbury was completely gassed by game's end. He was running on just fumes at that point. So, I mean, they were playing just real up-tempo, really quick, and I mean, just by the end, their starters, who because they haven't been getting great bench production, they didn't get great minutes off their bench either. I mean, guys like Woodbury were just gassed by the end. And, I mean, Wisconsin, there are points where they speeded up a, a bit. I mean, they try to get transition points because, I mean... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? If you have the opportunities there, take it. But, you know, they're just... Because Woodbury played less minutes than, like, guys like Hayes and Koenig, but you didn't see Hayes real tired at the end yep. of the game because they stuck to their game. And then as far as, the, you know, like... Interestingly enough, Lunari has them in the same region as... Uh, Virginia right now, so like if they won their first game, they presumably face Virginia in the second round, which you know, one of those teams would start. win with fifty points. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> the, that'd be a very interesting matchup. But no one or two seed is going to want to see Wisconsin in their region at all. That that'd be a terrifying team to see because this is a team that's probably going to get a seven or an eight seed that's been playing like a three or a four seed over the yep. past month or so. So you know, it's they have the potential, I think, to really bust a lot of people's brackets, or there could be a team that a lot of people kind of bandwagon on for their picks in the bracket to make some noise. I agree. we got to talk about who we think is going to win the tournament? Because I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. That's, uh, th- there's no sure things at all. I mean, maybe Kansas. I know you turned out some early predictions in you last week. Those are just upset predictions. Upset predictions. Not to win the whole thing. What did those? Valparaiso is not going to win the whole thing. What were you looking at to um, determine those? I was kind of curious. It's about just that. like a really quick uh, look at like net rating, so points per possession for and against, and then uh, I uh, I adjusted it for strength of schedule. Just a real simple adjustment. Yeah. Um, so you've got teams like Louisville and Michigan State and Kansas and Villanova up at the top. So all those great teams. And then some surprises in the top ten, like West Virginia, who's had a great year. Uh, yeah. uh, I've been really impressed with them. We saw what happened to them last year against Kentucky. Obviously, they got embarrassed. Yeah, but uh, this is a this is a different team somehow. I don't know why. SMU's up there, too, so it's too bad. We're not going to see much from them. Uh, but some of the big upset teams that I'm really interested in are St. Mary's, uh, Stephen F. Austin, Valparaiso, all those, you know, Mm-hmm. Mid majors that have that have done interesting things in the past, but it's kind of been a while. This will be like the twelve five game. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, and it depends who they draw. So sure, get that out there later. That'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, all March Madnesses are wild, but this year yeah, it's so unpredictable. I mean, if the regular season's any indication, I just keep thinking like if last year's Wisconsin team, last year's Kentucky team are playing this year, I don't think anybody could stop them in the tournament. When I look at it, I think there were. Five teams last year that would have been the best team in the country this year. I think Duke, Duke Kentucky, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Virginia all would have been the best team in the country. Mm. Which is too bad for last year's Wisconsin team. Yeah, too, I mean, too bad for all of them, I guess. But yeah, it's, I mean, there's no clear, obvious pick that you'd have to win at all. Like, there's no Kentucky of last year. I mean, Kansas is probably the closest thing to it, but every team's vulnerable. I don't know who my Final Four would be. Obviously, it's dependent on regions, but I mean Villanova. Maybe they're they're not that great on offense. They're not a good jump shooting team. So you know that's yeah. They rely a lot on threes, and they're not shooting them that well this year. So it's interesting. They're great on defense, but you know that's you're always worried about those jump shooting teams. 
that's why I got scared of Iowa State last year. I didn't have them go far. Is that they're so dependent on, well, they're not like Villanova this year, but those jump shooting teams like Iowa State so dependent on the three. I get scared of those teams in the NCAA tournament because if they go cold, they can they just stop they, falling. They can get bounced in the first or second round. Well, I think that's a good place to leave off for now. So that's all for this week's edition of the Cardinal Zone Podcast. We'll be back next week with another edition. Thank you very much for listening.